Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. It's me, Sarah Golding, and welcome to Anyone for Coffee, episode the fifth. Very excited to be able to share the next in the season on postnatal depression. It is really wonderful to hear your feedback, so please do keep the comments and thoughts coming to quirkyvoices at gmail.com. It makes our day to hear some of your thoughts and stories, so huge thank yous to anyone who has sent us anything there. And I do hope you have been reaching out to folks too, as uh, Lara and Gabby say, talk, please do, it's so important. Uh, More so now, obviously, with this current crazy we're all going through. And no, you won't be being a burden. And no, you won't be being a pain. And no, of course, it's not better to just keep it in and sleep it off. Us humans are social animals, aren't we? We all like a gin and tonic, right? And now now is the time we need to help each other most, I think. So, hey, if you know someone who's pregnant right now or just had a baby, do do just give them a call just because uh, maybe they'd bloody love to hear from you so go on you can even stop this podcast if you want give them a call and then have a listen after okay so to the next episode of our audio fiction guess who turns up to see the lovely gabby yes rachel texted freya and well you've seen the mood gabby's in so i think the swear jar is going to get quite a bit fuller hmm? <laughs> enjoy This is what's amazing, right? That you, clever you, clever little you, were strong enough and brave enough to call me. <laughs> and Rachel's here, and my mum's here, and your neighbour Roger with the short shorts. I'm sure would be here if you wanted him to. Nah. Also, that little. Hey, the door is open, so we shut it. There they are. Oh, like that is it? Okay. What's up with you then, madam? Rachel called me and I was just at the school for the fate and... Oh, you want a coconut? <laughs> Glorious. Why don't you come down and join us? We uh, know you love lying on the floor. <laughs> okay, wow. Floor chat, huh? It is serious. Oh. Mm. You're not good at all, are you? Mm. I think she's going to be all right, Freya. You all right, the Mo? As much as you can be? Oh, I think so. I'm in between the, you know... I'm shattered, though, I know that much. Actually, can I join you on the rug? Looks like a sunny spot. Budge up. Uh, So, (laughs) well, what's going on? What's up? Okay, well, Gabby's had some news, haven't you, Gabby? Oh, come on, you can at least nod. Mm. Mm? Yeah, she's had some news that is hard for her to... Take in right now, and so she... Is it your mum? Oh, fuck off. Whoa, two pound for that one. Harsh. Right. Okay, shall... Go then. You nearly swore then. (gasps) Bloody did. (gasps) Sorry for coming to care. Sorry for being a concerned friend. Bye then. Just tell her, Gabby. You tell her. Freya. Freya. Stop. (sighs) Look, sit down. God, is it Daisy? No, no, no. Come on, sit. Good doggy. Shut up, Charlie. Oh, don't hit me. Right, Gabby, speak. She's not a parrot either. No, I'm not. I'm... I'm... I... I am. I I don't want to be, and I, I know... I know you do, but I... I don't want it, so that's it. What? What are you? <sighs> she's, um... She's... Pregnant, Freya. Oh. Well, well, that's... uh, That's great. Yay, babies. 
That's fantastic news, isn't it? No, it fucking isn't. Just fuck you off. Fiverr, you owe £12 so far. I will shove that fiver so far up your ass. You won't Yay, I think I will go. No one has ever spoken to me like this, ever. And you're meant to be my friend. You're bloody lucky to be pregnant. You know that. You really bloody are. That's a pound. What? Do you know how long, how long we've, we've been trying for a baby? And you just say, I don't want it. Like your beautiful baby is like some rag doll thing. That's a life in there, growing in you. Just a smile and a, and a footstep trail on a sandy beach and a little hand to hold. I hate the phrase miracle of birth because in the end, it's just science. But don't you fucking swear at me. Uh. Don't you say a monetary reference to my bloody arsing swearing, Charlie, because I will swear all I bloody well want to right now. So you, don't you ever have the arsing, well, tit-wanking twat fuckery. (laughs) That's a great sentence. Thank you. Uh, Where was I? Uh, Twat fuckery? Yes, that twat fuckery to swear at me when all I have done is come here out of concern for you and then tell me in such cold and quite frankly ridiculous words that you don't want that precious new beautiful baby. I suggest that you... You can have it. Jesus, Gabby, this isn't Blood Brothers. Actually, you two would be amazing as Mrs. J and Mrs. L. Maybe I'll put that to the committee. Oh, fuck the committee. You don't get to fuck everything and win, Gabby. Oh, I have no more left to give, Freya. Seriously. I am spent. I just want to roll over and die, except it's too painful to roll over. I cannot do this. Maybe you should have had your tubes tied then. Or Gordon. Freya. Sorry. Actually, I'm not. Why not give your beautiful baby up for adoption? There's plenty of people that will want him, her, your beautiful baby. Oh, stop calling it that! Your beautiful baby? Sham. I won't give it up for adoption because I know when he or she comes out, I'm going to feel the same as I did with Daisy. If that happens, I might as well kill myself now. Same as you did with... But Daisy, I don't, I don't understand. I thought she was a good baby. What do you mean, feel the same? As what? When? It was old me. What was wrong with old you? Well, I mean, technically you were younger then, so you weren't older. You're old you now, older. Oh, shut up, you, Charlie. Uh, sorry. Why was it so bad with Daisy? Why? Because shit happens. Happened. Will happen. That's what happened before and that's going to happen again, isn't it? And it's certainly what's happening now. I feel out of control. Why? Because it was out of control before. Why? I had a baby. Why? Because I wanted to, because I could. Why? Because my womb doesn't fur up like yours. Is that what you wanted me to say? Jesus. Shit, Gabby. I'm, I'm so sorry that happens to you. I so want you and Dan to have another so so much but this is my life that I am living and for me for me I know I know if I go full term it's gonna kill me having this baby and oh don't say it don't why because I can't 
connect. It's like there's a an invisible space between me and my child where where love should be. Like my mum's got me at arm's length. I I don't get what you have. Your your love for Gronya and your yearning for another child. I don't I don't have that. I don't have the Look at my child, she's this bit of Gordon on me, Auntie Jill. And I don't get that warm thing you speak about. It's like there's a a blank. Having a child is the most wonderful thing that could happen to me at the moment. Someone made from love. Someone special. So wanted. Your baby is lucky. So, so lucky. Your beautiful baby is made from love, Gabby. You can't, you can't buy that. Um, would would you like a biscuit? Timing. Time is a bastard. Just one for me then. Our perception, our understanding of how we read and remember time is so ridiculous. All right, you lot, coffee's up. Oh, Freya, there's that fiver I owe you for that set of sparklers. Cheers for those. Do you need a pack, Gabs, for tonight? I could tell you where to shove them, but I won't. (laughs) Oh, okay. So that's the lay of it, is it? Where's no man's land? Take cover. Gabby's in a right mardy mood. At the moment, I seem to be Switzerland and Freya's taking heavy bombardment to the rear. (laughs) Incoming biscuit race. Oh, stop throwing biscuits. What are you? Twelve. Twenty-two inside. Look, I was I was not getting at Freya. I was just I was Oh You want to win again, Gabs? Charlie does that all the time when her skin's really bad and she's been up for like three days at night with her asthma as well. She just sort of explodes everything and everyone and <gasps> guess who gets it in the head? Mm. Sniper shot, machine gun, brrr, heavy gun and tank and ship's barrage, paper cuts. Ooh, nasty. I hate a paper cut. Mm, I get the lot. But I know why. Because she's tired and she's fed up and sick. And I love her. And she takes it out on me. Are you sick, Gabs? Are you in pain? Are you hurting? Or just wallowing in your own self-pity? Mum. Well, I'm just getting to the crux of it. Do you mind if I put my face on your wall again, Gabs? I need a cool down. Knock yourself out. Uh, yeah, don't actually knock yourself out there, Mum. Ooh, who's are those sparklers? They're for later. You coming to Charlie's for the fireworks display? Oh, she'll be there for the wine. <laughs> Gabby's pregnant, Mrs Hubbard. Oh, good job. Have you lot heard of SPD? That's a car, right? Symphysis pubis dysfunction. Do Honda make that one? It's not a car, Rach. Ah, the Russian all-girl group. The ones in prison for sticking up for women. Remind me never to have you on my quiz team. Did you breastfeed? I've not, like, filleted, no. Lactated? No, thank you. I've already got one. (laughs) No, no, no. 
no lack relation for me, Sunny Jim, because I haven't yet had babies and I'm still trialing a variety of men to find my favourite baby daddy. Though some of them suitors do like to suckle, don't they? Oh, too much information, Rachel. <laughs> oh, yeah, breastfeeding was the most painful thing ever in the world other than giving birth for me. It was worse than standing on Lego or, or post-labor constipation. Oh. Or, oh, yeah, piles, endometriosis. Mm. All right, all right. Look, here's how it is, Okay. Maybe it's my hormones. Maybe it's just, oh, we've become a lot closer these last few months after that last show. I don't know, but I am raw here, okay? This is me at my most open, my, my most bare, my most vulnerable. And I'm telling you what's going on in here. I'm not even drunk. It's unsettling and yet, I'm doing it, and it's hard because, oh, it hit me that something has to happen. This baby is coming out one way or another, and I don't want it to be like last time. I did it all on my own. I feel like I want to, I don't know, share. Better out than in. Keeping things in leads to bad things. Definitely. Mum, did you just let one go? Oh, my God. Pardon me. Uh. There are NHS talk groups like Silverlight you can talk to. A friend of mine had that through her GP. She said to me that the piece of advice that stuck with her, very importantly, was that if you're happy, baby will be happy. That's how the saying goes, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I think that's so true. But what, what if I can't find my happy? What if during pregnancy I get the SPD as bad as I had it with Daisy, or, or worse... So how did that start? Probably with a bit of vigorous wahey in the bedroom, oh, no? God, no. About 17, 18 weeks, it kicked in as a little niggly pain in my hip one morning. And then just a few days later, it became what I can only describe as excruciating pain. And I, I, I don't think even that word describes it accurately. And it, it spread around my back and to my other hip. So you went to the midwives at the unit or the hospital to get it sorted? I, I didn't get it sorted. The midwife said, well, it's a bit early for us, we can't help. So I, I went into the early pregnancy unit and they did an exam. They were like, oh, you've got SPD, like you say, oh, tuna sandwiches for lunch, or bargain hunter shit. You know, it's common occurrence, nothing to worry about. So what exactly is it, the PSP? SPD. Oh, they said it's a pain that happens when you have too many relaxing hormones within your muscles and ligaments too soon, and it won't go away until the baby's born. It's known as SPD. Symphysis pubis dysfunction. Oh, you don't want them going wrong, huh? Your pubes. Or it's known as, as PGP, PGD, pelvic girdle dysfunctional pelvic girdle pain. Sounds horrid. But girdle is such a good word. Girdle, girdle, girdle. Bloody is horrid. It's torture even. SPD, PGP, PGD, they all mean the same thing. I mean, imagine your pelvis is like a triangle with your, um, um, your, your, your mons. As the... Rachel, can you stop saying girdle? The point of your triangle, your, your two hips at the sides and your spines at the back, and it kind of basically does that. Collapses. Oh, God. Horrible. Can you push it back up, your girdle? I mean, they got those flats back up quick after that gas explosion in London, didn't they? No, you can't just push it back up. It's as painful as it sounds. I mean, your pelvic girdle collapses and then things start to grind on things they shouldn't. And it's very bloody unpleasant indeed. 
They said it may well get worse, and it bloody did. And I asked how I could feel, like, less pain. They were like, mm, shrug shoulders, don't know, kind of thing. I mean, they didn't say it like that, but that's the gist. I had over 20 weeks, that's five months of pregnancy left with unbearable pain and nothing I could do about it. There is no way. If it came on as strong as it did, there's no way I could lift Daisy out of her cot from, well, but probably a few weeks from now. No way I could bend to pick her up if she falls. Moving is really difficult and I'm what? 10, 12 weeks? That's the size of, I don't know, what? A walnut? What will be like when it's a melon? Well, don't eat melon then. Do melons grow on stalks? Oh, that reminds me, we need to find the crutches. Oh, shit, I think they're in the loft. Oh, I can have a look for them later. I need them now. No, not yet. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm being awful to all of you. And this is just the start. <laughs> I feel like if I go on like this, I'll just break. I envision, like, my whole uterus will just fall out with the baby at, like, 30 weeks because my bits won't be able to take it anymore. And I'll be in the worst, most excruciating, unbearable pain imaginable. And it'll all just fall out, along with the sound of, like, 50 feet of ice cracking off and splashing into water. Bizarrely, that's my ringtone. Bizarrely, that's my ringtone. Bizarrely, that's my ringtone. What if I've had the baby and I tried to breastfeed and it hurts excruciatingly too? Like proper vampire teeth clamp that no lanolin lettuce or loving husband can cure. And what if... What if I can't love it? What if the chronic sodding SPD continues and gets worse even after it's born? What if... Are we doing some standard lapse oh, again? What if I'm like frozen in pain and I I can't catch it as it rolls off the changing table and John Lewis or the, hmm? the reflux is terrible and it dies of the heart or cold or choking or constipation or oh. I don't think you can die from that Gabby no although isn't that what killed Elvis uh, I think that was a heart attack R.O.P. the Kang baby Ah, uh, the caring, baby. I love me some Elvis, baby. Thank you very much. I am so glad that Gabby has reached out to her pals, to be honest. As, as just listening to her here, she could otherwise have pushed herself to the verge of psychosis, which could have endangered, obviously, her and the child. How do you think Freya coped with the news? Because, obviously, that kind of thing must have been hard to take and to hear all that negativity from Gabby. And, well, Freya isn't a swearer, right? So... I think every word she uttered in distaste was worth triple for that swear jar. <laughs> it is hard, though, to know how to give support sometimes. And to be honest, other than do what Gabby did by talking, the question of what else to do to help yourself if peri or postnatal depression raises its ugly head. Now, luckily for us, Tracy Greenwood of the Blackpool Teaching Hospital's NHS Foundation Trust was answering just that question in the second of our interviews. Yes, what I would say that, you know, you're not alone. Don't feel embarrassed about going to get some help or seeking self-help. Mm. Often when we are new parents, we find it difficult to talk to someone and get help because parents often feel that they have that pressure that they should be feeling happy and excited, that they're on top of everything, that mm. they're worried about being a bad parent if they talk to someone because they're struggling with their mental health. What I would say is that really talk, if you can, to your GP, your health visitor, 
your midwife and to get that help soon and not to suffer because sometimes parents even worry that you know if they admit how they're feeling the baby's going to be taken off them it is so not like that health visitors are particularly there visiting the home visiting you and your baby and we really want to help and support you with your mental health with the transition to parenting and with your feelings Mm -hmm. so please you know, act sooner rather than later and get that help and get that support. Mm. So what's out there? There's kind of three main types of treatment for postnatal depression. The three main areas of of treatment, three types of treatment are the self-help strategies, the therapy and the medication. Mm -hmm. So I would always urge someone who is thinking about getting some support for their mental health to talk to the GP, talk to the health visitor, talk to family, friends, just so then they're not feeling alone and isolated. Mm. Often mums will say to me when I'm visiting that actually being able to talk about how they're feeling is very beneficial. It helps them feel less isolated, feels that they are on the path of a recovery. And we know that with postnatal depression, people do recover, people do get better, but don't suffer Get that support as soon as you recognize that perhaps things aren't quite right. Mm -hmm. And we know that things can be from mild to very severe. And I would always say to mums is that, you know, even if you feel that your symptoms are only mild, you still need that support. Mm -hmm. It can help with not only yourself and your well-being, but also your relationship with your partner, your relationship with your baby. Yes. So thinking about self-help things for postnatal depression, I would say, like I said, talking to partner, friends and family, if you feel that you can, or Mm. access the websites or the uh, online services that we've talked about. Mm. Try not to think that you have to be a super mom. Accept (laughs) help from others. It's okay to accept help, you know, especially, you know, loved ones will want to help you, you know, Mm. and Giving them tasks to do can be really beneficial. Mm. You know, if you've got family coming round and you need some shopping bringing, ask them to bring the shopping. It's okay to get that help. Like I say, it's hard to do absolutely everything. Don't put that pressure on yourself. Make time for yourself as well, which I know can be really difficult when a new baby comes along. But even if it's just a 10-minute soak in the bath once your partner's come home and they're looking after baby, It's doing things that help you feel better in your well-being. Taking a walk, listening to music, reading a book, resting when you can. If baby's asleep, you have a rest. I know when I visit houses that lots of mums are rushing around trying to get all the jobs done while baby's having the quick hour nap in the afternoon. Mm. But actually they're getting themselves tired and exhausted. And I say to my parents that, Listen, I'm not here to see whether your house is tidy or there's dust on your TV. It's not about that. It's about knowing that you're really well and that you're getting your rest when you can because Mm. all them things, if you're exhausted, can really affect your mood. So taking eating healthily, again, uh, food and mood go very close together. So Mm -hmm. if you've not eaten all day, that can affect your mood, that can drop your mood. And often, particularly in the first few weeks, you It gets to afternoon and you think, oh, have I eaten today or have I had a drink? Uh, Because you've been so busy with all the things with baby, but you have to look after yourself too. Yeah. 
obviously avoiding things like alcohol and drugs and things like that can they can often make low mood worse so avoiding alcohol avoiding drugs can be really beneficial Mm -hmm. getting involved with a local support group if you have one in your area thinking about self-help things there's also guided self-help things that can be used there's a a website called get self-help and that has some great resources on there which kind of makes you think about the way you're thinking and the way you're feeling and perhaps how you can change that Mm. so there's booklets on there and sheets that you can fill in to really kind of think about your focus at the moment yes With regards to somebody who has underlying mental health conditions, has had perhaps for a long time or short period of time, find they're pregnant and are very unsure as to to, to what to do, how to cope, what would you suggest someone does if they they find that's their condition? Like you say, yes, there's there's many health symptoms that perhaps are long-term prior to pregnancy and that as a mum you're taking medication for, what I would say is don't just suddenly stop taking the medication. Seek the right advice and support. We have a specialist perinatal mental health community team. We also have trained psychiatrists regarding this that will help and advise regarding medication. So we know that some mothers may require additional support in the perinatal period if they have complex mental health conditions such as schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you talk to your midwife or health visitor and that this is aware of because previous history can be very important and to get the right care plan can often reduce the risk of any further mental health complications. Mm-hmm. So please, you know, do do let someone know, let a professional know about your history and about the medication that you're taking. Do not just stop it because you're pregnant because that can have quite a detrimental effect on how you're feeling, but also it can have detrimental effect on the baby's well-being as well. Yeah, yes. And I, I think it's really important to not be worried about being judged or proud or you know, scared that by admitting that this is an issue or that you've been uh, taking these certain things to to help you and you're not sure how to cope now. I think just being able to be honest and upfront for the health and positive future for you and your baby, it's very important to communicate those key things as fact that you need to take this medication, you're concerned about it, what do you need to do next? Yeah, and having that discussion, the doctor will have that discussion with you and really think about the benefits, the pros and the cons of stopping the medication or continuing to take that medication. Mm -hmm. And through that joint assessment and that agreement can come up with a good plan to make you feel that you're doing your best and the best outcome for the baby as well. Superb advice. Thank you. I'd like to say as well at the moment, I think with women in... uh, in this changed role as a mum, you've perhaps been either unmarried or wife and you've been maybe sister and daughter and auntie and so on. But 
the role of mother obviously also comes with so many different changes to your responsibility that I think the potential overwhelming nature of that I did find difficult. And the, the kind of, I suppose the word sacrifices is a big word to use, but things that I feel like now I would use words that I, I've put on hold and not stopped entirely. <laughs> I think being out the other side of, you know, having younger children, both of mine are over 10 now, and having sort of that perspective on the the the, the kind of past <laughs> of starting out as a family, just having those things where, you know, you did have to stop some things because at that point, for me, my priority was obviously being a mummy. And so other things kind of that I really, truly enjoyed and I feel like made part of me stopped. And I think it's really important to point out that they didn't like stop forever. They were just paused and I feel like as time went on and I got used to that new role and where it fitted into my world and and to my other family parts and gained new friends and other areas that, you know, I, I did begin to sort of piece me back together in this new shape. <laughs> so I, I think it's important to think that a lot of the time when things are crazy and perhaps use words like bad and, you know, not not nice or negative that you know you can wade through and get out of those holes or those terrible places to be in better times and they do come and I think it's about making sure perspective you don't just stay right in the now you know do think about those future and as as our lovely Freya character did and Kirsten talks about positive visualization you know have those moments to think about absolutely wonderful visions of what you'd like to do with your family or where you'd like to be and go to and then try and you know don't have to live up to and make those happen but just even being in that positive frame of mind I think can really help uh, I don't know how much you agree with <laughs> with the elements no, absolutely, I've been absolutely I fully agree I've <laughs> I absolutely fully agree. Super. I think when when you're feeling so low, you feel that you know the, there isn't an end to it. The, mm. the tiredness, the sleepless nights, the constant feeding. But actually, it's about thinking about things that you know you're going to get back to things that you enjoy. And gradually, as your energy levels increase, to start doing some of the things that you really enjoyed, mm. whether that's just going for a walk, whether that's going for a jog, whether that's just doing something that you really used to enjoy doing, reading a book, listening to music. Yeah. There's so much out there. I think, you know, just while we're talking about this, actually, I think mindfulness, when you're particularly feeling maybe isolated at the moment from mm. family and friends, but thinking about mindfulness practice can really help. Yes. Um, that can be kind of paying attention to your experience at the moment and not letting the kind of worries take over. It's mm. one of being curious. And again, there's, you know, there's some really good mindfulness apps that are available to do that. Mm. Just to give that little bit of time for you that you can get in that five, 10 minutes of your busy life where yeah. you're just actually maybe just sitting down and thinking about the future or thinking about your breathing here and now um, mm. can sometimes just make you feel a lot calmer, yes. make you feel more emotionally kind of well, because it's you time. And I, I, I know families that do use mindfulness a lot in at, at the home at the moment. Mm. And they say that 
that five, 10 minutes that they have just for them, where they're kind of feeling calm and thinking about the lovely way that baby's been today or Mm. thinking about the way that baby's looking at them right now can be, you know, really calming. And actually making sure that they have them positive affirmations about themselves as well, that actually, you know, they're doing a really good job Mm. in really trying times at the moment. Mm. They're doing the best they can and that they are strong and that they are resilient and they will get through this. Yeah, It's really important to have these positive thoughts and not let the negative ones take over. Yes, fight them off, okay? And I think part of that also does come from actually worrying too much about other people's perspective. I think the key thing is to actually concentrate on nurturing that relationship with your baby and your family and your love of you as well. You know, if you treat yourself, as Tracy has pointed out, uh, by you know doing nice things, feeding yourself, making sure you're comfy and cozy. If you have a PJ day, that's fine. You know nobody's going to judge you for wearing pajamas all day, as long as it's not a you know long term six months kind of thing happening. Perhaps that you know if that is something that then continually is difficult to even get dressed, then that's obviously a sign that perhaps you need to to seek some help and guidance and how to help you get more motivated. But I just think that whole point of returning to to loving yourself and this amazing thing that you have been able to nurture and create into the world, this little baby wonderful or two or three children or eight or however many that have come along (laughs) that uh yeah you you you're able to to first of all you know concentrate and and nurture and love yourself i think that is totally utterly important so tracy thank you so much for your advice today we'll have one more episode where we look at how folks can start to recognize and and aim to recognize that perhaps they need help so thank you very much tracy for your help today you're very welcome thank you sarah Thank you so much to Tracy. Her information and as much information as I could get is on the Quirky Voices website, www.quirkyvoices.weebly.com. A link to that you can click on is on the show notes for this episode and all episodes if you want to fathom cast biogs and get all the other groovy helpful links from other episodes. So on to oh, the amazing, the wonderful, the fabulous Lara Parker. And here she's talking more about how how one particular medical professional was really not useful and one possibly was instrumental in helping her turn her life around. She talks of how it was also quite hard to be sociable in group situations because that little build-up of hyper-anxiety had started to make her think and feel a lot of negative thoughts. She talks openly and frankly about those awful things that she was thinking, as us humans do sometimes, comparing herself consistently to others and leaning heavily on the hypercritical side of finding her new mummy self. She talks of how hard it was when friends stopped calling and due to the continuous pain and mental fog and exhaustion, how it was really difficult to even get out. So she felt quite trapped at that point and I'm sure many of you can identify with that at this moment in time. There's the wonderful Lara and I cannot thank her enough for taking part in this. Anyone who says sleep when the baby sleeps has clearly never had a baby (laughs) because you can't. Yeah. Because the second that baby makes even a tiny noise you're like oh my god what's wrong? Yeah. 
Yeah, um, too hot, they're too cold. Yeah, they need food. They need yeah. water. Yeah. <laughs> they've, they've peed. Yeah. They've pooed. They haven't peed. They haven't pooed. Oh my god! <laughs> so, like, we kind of muddled along for a bit. Um, the first midwife who came to see me once I'd gone home mm. was evil. She oh. was horrible. She walked in. She clocked the photo of my mum on the mantelpiece and started banging on about how, you know, she recognised her. Okay. And then when she asked me how I was, I said, you know, I don't think I'm, I'm really emotional. I'm crying a lot. Mm. I don't really feel like I've bonded with him. I was really, really open and honest with her. Mm. And I told her all this stuff and she was like, it's baby blues. It's fine. It'll go away. You know, you were only like, you know, day four or five or possibly it was six. Mm. And she said, how do you actually feel? And I said, well, I just, I don't feel like he's mine. I don't feel like I bonded with him. You know, lots of people who've come to see him so far said, oh, he's so cute. And I'm like, have him. Please be, be my guest. And I'm not joking. Mm. I, I, I'm, if someone on the street said to me, he's cute, I'm like, here, have him. It, it mm. just, there was no, I looked after him because I knew I had to. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I'd have ever have hurt him, but that doesn't mean to say that it wasn't going through my head. Right. Like, you know, you won't shut up. What would happen if I dropped you out the window? Mm-hmm. I would never have done it, but it doesn't mean to say that those thoughts don't go through our head. Mm-hmm. And when they do, that's fucking frightening because yeah. why would you ever think that about your own baby? And why should you? And that's not normal, surely. Mm-hmm. And this woman insisted it was all baby blues. She left. I had a phone call from another midwife within about an hour and a half right. of this woman leaving going, what the hell did you tell her? Right. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, she's just told me she thinks you've got postpartum psychosis and shouldn't be left alone with your baby. Right. And I said, so, hang on, she's told you that, but told me I was having baby blues and I was fine. Wow. If she actually thought I had postpartum psychosis, she shouldn't have left me alone. No. <laughs> but she did. So this other lovely midwife, who happens to be a friend anyway, okay, turned up and she said, look, you know, normally we would try and discharge people within 10 days. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. You're going to be on my books for a month, which is the longest you can be on my books, and I'll be here every couple of days and just check in on you. Do you think you're safe? And I said, look, my husband is here, you know, even if I'm not great, he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So was he on leave at that time as well? At the time, yeah. yeah. So he, okay. was, he was around the whole time. Mm. And we kind of fell into a vague semblance of existence. Yes. Yes, I think at least the first three years of any child's life is yes. like a dream, a sandstorm yes. of a dream, yes. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, there was some, I'm not going to lie, it wasn't all dreadful. There uh. were some bits where it was lovely and, you know, we had nice cuddles and stuff. But mm. quite quickly, I found breastfeeding very hard. Yeah. It couldn't, is. Couldn't it get him really matched is. on. And it's I didn't painful. have any patience with it either. Yeah. yeah. And I got really frustrated because he'd be like, get it out of my face. I want it. And... I, because I was knackered and in pain and yep. I just didn't have Confusing. the patience mm-hmm. to do it. Mm. And when we took him to have his tongue tie snipped, which everyone said he didn't have until we took him to see the specialist, he was like, uh, no, he does. Mm. We were there for an hour and a half. The actual snipping of the tongue tie took 10 minutes, if mm. that. And she counselled me for an hour and 20 minutes on breastfeeding and how to do it and all oh. this kind of stuff. Yeah. And she was lovely. Yeah. Best, best and that is happening quid. more now. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel that there are a lot more sort of breastfeeding experts yeah. And, yeah. and clinics yeah. and so on. Yeah. So, I mean, I think if this is resonating with you, that you don't know what to do, we'll put some links on the show notes. But I, I'm certain that even if you have a look on the NHS website, yeah. they'll be able to point you in the right direction. Yeah, there's a lot more for, uh, out there now. And there's also mm-hmm. a lot less breastfeeding shame. Uh-huh. So it's, you know, if you, if you choose not actually. to, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, and actually, to be fair, 
the lovely midwife who turned up after the bitchy one, mm. said, you know what, Lara, you do what makes you happy because if you're happy, he'll be happy. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to breastfeed, go for it. We'll support you all the way. If you mm. want to bottle feed, go for it. If you want to, you know, feed him with a spoon, if you want to do combination, do whatever works for you. Yeah. And that was the best advice I was ever given mm. in the first year of his life was as long as you're happy, he'll be happy. Yeah. And that goes for parenting styles it goes mm. for sleeping styles it goes for co-sleeping not co-sleeping sleeping in your room not all that kind of stuff as yeah. long as you are happy and your baby is safe mm. and you are safe you will have a happy baby and that's possibly the first time that you've been given something that connects you both yeah and that's amazing yeah yeah mm. so we then quite quickly realized even after he'd had the tongue tie that breastfeeding was still difficult so mm. we've moved on to giving him a bottle at night yeah which seemed to solve all our problems for a couple of weeks. And then he got really, really constipated. Oh, no. And he had really, really bad reflux. Mm. And, of course, GPs, if you go to them with a tiny baby who has reflux, they're like, we'll give you Gaviscon. Yes. Which yeah. does sweet FA, <laughs> other than make it really difficult to bottle feed them because it makes the milk too thick. Yeah. Um, so then I tried changing the type of milk he was on, which did help, but mm -hmm. he was still massively refluxy. Mm. And in the end, I just said to the GP, look, I'm not being funny. I'm not trying to tell you my job, your job, but he needs something else. Mm. And I, as a healthcare professional who's dealt with a lot of children who have reflux, I think he needs ranitidine, which is a gastric yep. acid inhibitor. Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh, I don't know. I don't, can that, strictly speaking, they're not supposed to prescribe it. Right. But she did. And it made such a difference yeah. so fast. And mm. suddenly he was a much happier baby. Mm. So when you say that, so in in him, he was basically being very upset because of his... He was his, in agony. Yeah, yeah. Because mm. if you can't poo and you've constantly got acid reflux, yeah, you know, life's not fun. No, bless him. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then if your mother is a constant sort of bundle of nervous, angsty energy, mm -hmm. every time you, tr you try to latch him on to breastfeed him, nothing happens because everyone knows the biggest enemy of breastfeeding is stress mm -hmm. because of cortisol. Yeah. So... You know, it just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing yeah. happens. So I tried to pump, but gave up quite quickly. Yeah, that's not pleasant. I yeah. remember at silly o'clock in the morning doing all that. Yeah. So medical professional-wise, you'd spoken to, to doctors, you'd been in with the midwife. The health visitor still visiting at this point? Nope. Really? I was going to them. Right. Because I didn't need anyone to come to me, apparently. Right. Okay. So how did everything kind of manifest at that point i mean was it specific times of day was it specific events or just a consistent feeling um unbeknownst to me when hubby went back to work was it like a week two weeks darling when you organized people to be with me mm. i had no idea but he'd made arrangements with various friends and family that i was never by myself for too right. long right I just thought it was convenient that people were dropping in at various <laughs> times of the day. I had no idea. There was a rotor yeah. timetable. No, that's completely unbeknownst to me, which was wonderful because mm. it meant that I was never by myself for too long. Mm. And gradually, mm. as, as time went by, that got less and less. Mm. And how were you in those situations, would you say? It from was, what it you was a weird, from what I remember, and again, it, it, a lot of it is quite hazy. Yeah. It was a weird situation because when I had people here, I just didn't want, I just wanted them to go away and <laughs> yeah. take the child with them, preferably. Yeah. yeah. But then when it was just the two of us, I wanted company mm. and I couldn't win. I was still really sore, so going out and socialising was really hard. Yeah. 
because, you know, baby groups, everyone sits on the floor in a beanbag. I couldn't do that. Mm. And also, I'm not, I'm not brilliant at walking into an unknown situation just going, hey, hi, how are you? It's not, it's not my forte. Sure. Um, I can resonate with that. <laughs> despite what a lot of people would think when they look at me and they meet me, I'm not. I would say that of you. Yeah. I mean, you know, you are a very easy to chat to person. And so, yeah, that is quite surprising. But then that's the thing, isn't it, about the anxiety manifest in such a, mm. an abundance of way. And so being in these group situations mm-hmm. and things, were you more in a monologue? Were you able to concentrate? Sat very quietly and... and didn't really talk to anybody. Right. And I, I, it was probably hyper sensitiveness on my part but I felt very quickly like everyone else's baby was way more settled than mine right and everyone else was oh. doing a way better job of parenting than me that and everyone comparison. else had um yeah. you know way better boobs than I did and had mastered the sling better than I had and were looking after themselves better than I was and I was so hypercritical of myself mm-hmm. and also because I've worked with children all my professional life mm-hmm. And I've never, I've never found it hard to work with children. I've never, I've always had endless patience with children, mm-hmm. and I've always had, you know, pretty good patience with their parents. Yeah. And I've never had a problem with, you know, carrying a, a squalling baby or anything like that. And suddenly, with my own, mm. I was like, oh God, shut up! Why enough? Or just sleep? Oh my! And everything he did or didn't do was the opposite of what he was supposed to be doing in my head. And it wasn't until quite a lot later that I realised that that was all down to PND, mm. which was never actually truly officially diagnosed. Right. Mm. So I spent probably about the first year of his life being horribly hypercritical of myself mm. and of him mm. and of my parenting, our parenting, whether or not I should wean him, routines. I mean, everything you can think of. Yeah. I was second-guessing you know, third guessing, fourth guessing myself and everyone else, questioning absolutely everything, Yeah. comparing myself to other people, mm-hmm. comparing other people's children to my own. Mm-hmm. And in hindsight, had the PND been diagnosed properly and early on, mm-hmm. I think I probably would have been a little less critical of myself, but also I think I probably... Because I wasn't breastfeeding, I'd have been given some medication, which I think would have helped enormously because it would have dampened down that hyper-anxiety and yeah. critical sort of tendency to self-analyse and self-critique overly much. I mean, what was the lowest point of that manifesting? Did it turn inward on yourself or on your relationship? or on There were certainly some very, some very tricky times early on when yeah. he was very little where I remember being awake at night and looking at, husband who would be sleeping peacefully next to me mm-hmm. and thinking how dare you be asleep right i'm awake your son is awake what can wake up <laughs> yeah and then in the next sort of second going well no hang on you've got to go to work mm. and i don't mm. so you absolutely you should have your sleep no fuck it wake up i'm awake i'm upset you should be awake and then i got into this pattern of it took so long at night to feed him mm. and then i couldn't sleep so by the time I actually went to sleep within 20 minutes, I'd be awake again. Mm. So I was just permanently exhausted. Yeah. And not even exhausted, like zombified. Because mm. I just couldn't, I just wasn't getting enough sleep to function. No, can't function at all. Yeah. And then I couldn't sleep during the day either. Right. <laughs> so just, and even if people took him out, mm. my brain just wouldn't switch off. Right. I mean, 
were there any other people in your friendship group that had similar things happening? Unfortunately, I was the first person in my friendship group to have a baby. Right. And doubly unfortunately, when I fell pregnant, for whatever reason, I've never quite got to the bottom of it, but a fair few people stopped talking to me. I don't know if that's because they were jealous or didn't really know how to be around someone who's pregnant or Mm. I had a lot of, because I was very open about being in a lot of pain and not wanting to be pregnant anymore. Not in a, I don't want the baby, but I just wish I wasn't pregnant because then I wouldn't be in this pain. Mm -hmm. And I had quite a few people who were quite aggressively saying to me, how dare you say things like that? How dare Mm. you? Do you know how many people are desperate to be in the situation you're in? And I kind of felt like saying to them, well, you know, you know, until you've been in my shoes, don't judge. Yeah, that's that's such a key thing with so many things to do with pregnancy, I feel. Yeah, I mean, and, and so I guess those people didn't stay in your friendship group for very no, long. No, and when I was stuck at home, when I was pregnant, I would say to people, look, I'm, I'm desperate for company. I would mm-hmm. love to see people, but I'm, I'm really sorry you're going to have to come to me because I physically can't travel. Yeah. And suddenly that becomes too much bother. Okay. Oh no. So your world sort of shrink, really shrunk. Really shrunk. Yeah. yeah. Really shrunk. And what what did you actively do anything to change that yourself? Or I tried you, yeah. on quite a few occasions, but when people who you consider to be your friends either cancel on you or don't come or say mm. yes, yes, I'll make arrangements to do so and then don't. Mm. You stop trying after a while. Yeah. Because why would you keep hurting yourself? I mean, if looking in on this now from this perspective of hopefully happy, fun Mm. times right now, if you knew of someone who was going through the same Mm -hmm. as you, what 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 advice would you give someone who knows there's a friend of theirs or relative who's going through this? Don't judge. Yeah. Because you, you and honestly, until you've been in their situation, and actually there's the biggest, I think, difference that a lot of people don't understand is the difference between empathy and sympathy. Okay. So a lot of people will say, oh, I know how you feel. Mm-hmm. Actually, you don't. You're not me. You can under- try and understand how I might be feeling because you've been in a similar situation yourself, mm. but you don't know how I feel because you're not me. Mm. So shut up, mm-hmm. quite mm-hmm. frankly. And when you're feeling crappy, for whatever reason, there's no worse thing than someone going, oh, I know how you feel. This really helped when I was like that. It's like, Meh. no. I think don't judge, be open. Um, for me, I think in hindsight, the biggest advice I would have given myself was, yeah, you know what? NCT classes are horribly, horribly expensive. Yeah. But they are a fantastic way of making new mum friends. Yeah. And I didn't do them because I was like, I I thought I knew everything there was to know about NCT classes because I knew all about breastfeeding and pregnancy and birth because mm. I did. Mm. I hadn't realised it was just a really expensive way of getting to know other Social people. Social networking. <laughs> that is so key. And I know, you know, both of my kids, I, I had NCT classes mm. and, and still got a good close-knit group of women who catch up as often as we can mm. now. I mean, there were kids at secondary school, things get different mm. don't they but but yeah the core and the love for my they, those pals is still very mm. much there and all of the events that we've been through in the last mm. sort of 13 years what have you i love the fact that lara's husband james proactively and unobtrusively arranged for folks to come and see lara and the baby i mean that's love right there isn't it 
I have to say that obviously Lara had an unfortunate experience with one medical professional, but then got some of the best advice and help that she could have by another. Now, visiting health professionals are there obviously to help as much as possible, and yet of course are only human too. So I guess what I'm trying to get to in a roundabout way is that if like Lara, you speak to someone and and don't feel supported and still recognise that you do need help, do not hesitate to call your GP surgery and speak to someone else about how you're feeling. Don't just think, okay, well, they didn't understand me. That's it. Then I'll deal with it myself or isolate myself and close up. No, 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 no. Please do communicate. No one else but you knows how you truly feel. I mean, mind reading can only be done by Darren Brown and Madame Alcati, right? (laughs) Kind of. Maybe. Anyway, Lara's key thoughts about not judging people as you cannot until you have been in their shoes are so key to nurturing and successful and important friendships for new mums. So as I said at the top of the show, and I'm going to say it as I leave you now, please do contact folks you know who have a new babe or are pregnant and just just say hi. doesn't take a lot. I hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you so much to all of my guests today. Tracy Greenwood from the Blackpool Teaching Hospitals NHS Foundation Trust. For, again, some fantastic advice. And to Laura Parker playing Gabby, to Diane Alexander playing Flo, to Lucy Shelley playing Rachel, and to Kirsten Stansfield playing the wonderful Freya. Join us next week to find out what nutty loony thing Flo has done with the fireworks to try and cheer everyone up and to hear more of how Lara felt and some top tips in hindsight about having a better pregnancy and having a better first year with your child and there's more from the lovely Tracy Greenwood too. So have a wonderful week folks. Let's hope the sunshine of the week that I'm in right now is still around in our future weeks. Thank you so much for listening. Please share this in your social circles to get as many people who might need to listen to this to hear it as possible. Final thanks to my amazing executive producer, Fiona Thrale, for all of the hard work that she's putting into making these sound glorious. And just to say that this funky music is by the amazing Matt Hutt and Zach Lemon. Have a groovy week. I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye.